Investing with diverse managers and owners in and of itself has social impact because we invest together and we hire each other. No one can do everything across the diversity spectrum. You have to figure out what it is that is your area to be able to create and affect change. When things happen like the great financial crisis, like the pandemic, then having diversification in your investor or where your capital comes from is really important. Welcome to the Beyond Capital Podcast. In our purpose-driven world, leadership is increasingly crucial. We are bringing you the stories of leaders that are marrying profit with purpose. I'm Eva Yazari, CEO of Beyond Capital. And I'm Ed Stevens, CEO of Appreciate. Together, we have built and invested businesses worth millions. We want to show you how social impact can exist in a company's operations, product, and culture, sometimes unexpectedly. We hope you walk away knowing the possibilities of social impact for you and feeling inspired by the potential to do good. This is the Beyond Capital Podcast. Today's guest is Tammy Jones. Tammy is the founder and CEO of Basis Investment Group, a commercial real estate firm that has closed $4 billion in real estate investments across the United States. Tammy has held numerous executive positions at real estate investment companies including CW Capital and Equitable Real Estate, and has invested capital for more than 14 public pension plans. Tammy is also a trustee for Georgia State University. Welcome, Tammy. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. Hi, Ed. Hi, Eva. It's so great to be here with you this evening. I'm looking forward to our discussion. Welcome, welcome. Welcome. So let's dive in. I first want to start out with a statistic because I know that diversity and inclusion is an important topic to you and we'll be diving into that specific topic in our interview. Less than 20% of senior positions in real estate companies are held by women. I'd like to start there with you, Tammy, and just get your reaction to that as a professional in the commercial real estate industry. Thank you, Eva. It's a great place to start. And I'm I'm a person that loves data because I think that empirical data is important to telling stories. And I want to break it down further for you. 1.6% of the senior jobs in commercial real estate are held by African-American men and less than 1% are held by African-American women. So the story is... Is, is not a positive one with respect to gender diversity or ethnic diversity. And, and there are challenges facing this industry that I'm hopeful about in the shift that we will be able to create change. You've had a career that ended in founding your own firm, Basis Investment Group. What drew you to the real estate industry initially and what has kept you interested and even what impact do you feel like you've had over the years? So I love that question because I think it speaks to the first question, which is the lack of diversity. I basically fell into into the commercial real estate industry. And I'll just start with saying that I grew, grew up in a very, I would say what today people refer to as an economically disadvantaged household, a two bedroom apartment in South Jamaica, Queens with eight people. And I had no concept of real estate and my parents did not even own a private home. And so for a young girl who had no exposure to real estate to actually fall into this industry really, you know, was honestly just by by divine intervention and just by being at the right place at the right time. And what I'm focused on and dedicated to is to creating a pipeline to make sure that there are opportunities for 
other people like me who may not have exposure. I mean, commercial real estate is a legacy business. It's largely a closed network. It's it's basically founded on a lot of long-term relationships. And so it's really hard when you don't have exposure to the real estate industry to, to break into the field. And I just happened to work for Equitable out of Cornell University. And Equitable had a training program that allowed me to look at the different areas around the equitable enterprise. And one of those areas happened to be a real estate investment subsidiary. And I rotated into that subsidiary, fell in love with the fact that real estate was a tangible asset and began my career. And I will tell you that why I started my own firm is is really simple. Two, I one, I have an, an entrepreneurial spirit. And I think, you know, starting your own company, you really can't be I'll be a person that's that has um, reservations about taking risk and be what I like to say, you know, a person that's the faint of heart. Second, I had made career strides and and advances. So that way I was in the C-suites at at many of these companies or close to the C-suite. And I honestly never saw anyone who looked like me. And so for me, in order for me to be a CEO and to actually create an organization built on the principles and values that I wanted, I realized that I had to go out out on my own. And that's exactly what I did. And you know, a lot of entrepreneurs never really get off the ground because they have a, a fear of failure and maybe they didn't have a lot of role models growing up, sort of seeing how when a business fails, your life doesn't fail. How, how did you bridge that gap coming from your background? It's such a great question. So what my career journey has been I, at least I think the positive of my, of my career journey, I should say, has been that each position has led me to the next role. And so I started, you know, leading a small team and then leading a division and then leading a platform at the various institutions. As you mentioned, I work for Equitable, then a subsidiary of GM, and then a subsidiary of the Case Depot, all institutional capital allocators and investment platforms. And I happen to be in the real estate, commercial real estate debt and equity divisions in each of those in each of those companies. And so I think part of it was getting institutional training, getting training and realizing that, you know, even if you are an entrepreneur, some of us don't have the ability, i.e. the capital to go launch our businesses right out of college or within 10 years of working in institutions. I was able to learn a lot in each one of these institutions and then get the confidence that I needed, build the network that I needed, um, help myself to understand the infrastructure that you need to build a business. And it's, it's so funny that you asked about the fear of failure, because when I started my company, it was during the great financial crisis. And I, you know, in my career, I saw so many people go out and at times where there were the biggest challenges, because I believe and we're kind of in that situation right now, that in challenge, there is opportunity. I was reading the book, The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that book. And one of the quotes that just hit me really hard, you know, you have something that hits you and you remember it because those are the, the moments in your life. It was the quote that went something to the effect of, there is one thing that's, that is preventing your, your dream from moving forward and that's fear of failure. And I realized at that moment, I had made money for these companies. I had built teams. I was tested and tried. I I knew how to build a company because I was good at at building divisions. And and finally, the job before I, the role that I had before I went out and founded Basis was building a, a team that was 80 people in eight offices where we did 6 billion. And so I had, I knew that I had to get the confidence and to say, you know what, if I go out and do this, and it doesn't work. I'm still Tammy. I still have my master's in, you know, MBA in real estate. I still have all of this experience. 
I can always go back and get a job. And I literally had to, sometimes you have to like get with yourself and tell yourself that it's okay to take this risk. And I am so, so happy that I, I believed in myself enough to do that. And I have not looked back since. I was able to raise a hundred million in the great financial crisis with one of my former clients at, um, while I was at one of the firms that I mentioned, he believed in me and we are partners to this day. And now, you know, basis has grown to, you know, we now have 17 investors and we've closed over 4 billion. That's just incredible. And the enthusiasm and confidence and wisdom that you bring to your entrepreneurial journey is very apparent to me right now. And I, I just love the energy behind you. Couldn't help but say that. I can't imagine starting a real estate business in 2009. How did that play out for you over the, the decade that, that ensued? One of the, the, the opportunities, as, as I mentioned before, in challenge, there is opportunity. And so we had to navigate initially, as, as you remember, in the great financial crisis, there wasn't a lot of transactions activity. And so we were able to benefit from some of the transactions that did occur. And I'm, my thesis has always been follow the money. In the capital markets, debt always comes back to facilitate buying real estate, right? You need to have some financing in order to buy your, your real estate, said simply. And so we began to capitalize on opportunities where there, there was dislocation in price, where there were um, opportunities for situational distress. And that's how we began the company. Our first year was very profitable. And then each year we just raised money by strategy that we were going into. And that was a, a way of sort of you know diversifying the firm because I believe that it's important to create a sustainable company, but then also to diversify your revenue and have different sources of revenue in different types of investments. And so that was really the journey. We were effectively what I call riding the wave of recovery up right? Because 2009 was the trough and we were sort of riding the wave of recovery up and building the platform and building each strategy and scaling the team. We started with a scalable core team. And I believe in the scalable core team approach where you build the team around the strategy. And so I remember the first time you know, when we got our, our office space and we started the company, it was sort of a field of dreams. You know, if, if you build it, they will come approach. And we, so we started with the infrastructure and then built from there and then raised capital from various institutions, family offices and sovereigns. And, and today we are a multi-strategy diversified investment platform that does both commercial real estate debt and equity. And one of the things I learned from my prior experience where at the Case Depot, which was a very large pension fund that I worked at CW Capital, who that which was the um, U.S. debt platform that owned, was owned by the case, was that we basically had one investor, and you know that's something that I always like to impart lessons learned. And the lesson learned for me was when you have one investor and they're the 800-pound gorilla in the room, that's awesome. When things happen like the great financial crisis, like the pandemic, then having diversification in your investor or where your capital comes from is really important because you don't want your capital to just go away because you have one investor. And that really happened with us where, and it happened in many companies where there just wasn't investment going on because your major investor just kind of shut the lights out for a second. You know, it sounds like taking advantage of dislocation and being opportunistic. I know a lot of my friends in the real estate business say that's usually where they make most of their money. Um, but outside of financial success, thinking about social or environmental impact, what roles do those types of things play in your company? They are the the core. And I like to say that diversity is in our DNA. And I'll, and I'll tell you a little bit about what that means to me. Diversity at basis 
comes in a couple of different ways. N- number one, I, I mentioned that I wanted to build a platform where people could see leadership that looked like them. So I'll tell you again, we'll go back to some data because data tells stories. At basis, 78% of our team is women and minorities. In our senior C-suite, it's 83%. So, cause you know how sometimes companies can say they have a lot of diversity, but it's all at the junior levels. It's all throughout our organization. That's point number one. Point number two, since our inception, Basis has invested and loaned over 800 million with other minority and woman-owned qualified real estate investment firms. And I'm super proud of that because, you know, I will tell you that investing with diverse managers and owners in and of itself has social impact. Why? Because we invest together and we hire each other. Basis is a testimony to that. But it doesn't stop there. 50% of our vendors our suppliers, people who we do business with are women and minority owned firms. Now, why can Basis achieve something that is seems to be so off the charts when everybody and not everyone, but a lot of majority companies say, we can't find you. Well, I'll tell you why. It's because you're not looking in the right places and you don't have a business plan. Basis has a diversity business plan and we always have. I always challenge CEOs today, particularly in the post-George Floyd, where a lot of CEOs have reached out to me to talk about what can we do to create more equality in our firms and to recognize that we have you know, a systemic problem and a lack of representation for ethnic minorities in, in the real estate business. And I always say, do you have a diversity business plan? It's a really basic question. And you know why? If you don't, then I know that you're not, you, that you don't consider this a priority. Let me tell you why. As, as CEOs, as leaders of business, what initiative or what strategy would you ever launch and expect to be successful, caveat, without a business plan that had concrete strategies, performance metrics, and accountabilities, i.e. someone's uh, compensation tied to the success? That's how I drive outcomes. And so if I'm going to drive an outcome, I'm going to be focused on it. And you and the company, I can tell you the thing I'm most proud of about Basis is that our employees say that this that we're the most diversified firm that they've ever worked for, and they feel like they're part of something that is unique. And we are also, you know, diversity is not just about doing, you know, what's right. It's about driving alpha, driving performance. Study after study shows that diverse teams produce better outcomes. And for the life of me, I don't understand why everyone isn't jumping on the bandwagon. And why is it, if, if you think about uh, basis as a real estate investment manager. And if you think we talked about the real estate industry, but I'm going to talk about the asset management, investment management, global uh, market. It's 69 trillion. Do you know that only 1% of that AUM is managed by diverse managers? 1%. Even though study after study shows that teams outperform non-diverse teams, that diverse teams outperform non-diverse teams. And so there's no there's no reason. And by the way, I've, I've even said to people who don't believe those studies, Show me a study where we perform worse or, or less. Like if you just want to make the assumption that we perform just at the same level, there's no reason that we should only have 1% of the global AUM other than unconscious bias, other than a penalty that's associated with diverse firms. And even women-owned firms are in this category as well, where there's just more risk that's perceived. And what I'm trying to do and using my platform, you know, as not only the CEO of Basis, but I'm also the chair of the board of Real Estate Executive Council, which is a national organization. It's the preeminent trade organization for African-American and Latino executives in commercial real estate. And we are on a mission to shine a light on this diversity 
problem that exists in the industry. And what's been really encouraging is that we're starting to have more, I mean, we've been doing this for two decades, but we're starting to have more people realize the importance of, of partnership. So if I was going to put together a diversity business plan, it's my imagination starts to get ahead of me. Is that in your mind, like if a company's just starting out, do you think that's like a one pager that the management team puts together? Or is it like a 12 pager with a lot of stuff in it? Like what, what would be your advice for like, when you say, do you have a diversity business plan? It it sounds like if you're slightly biased against doing it, you probably would think that sounds like a lot of work. And to me, it probably isn't. So maybe you can help us understand what you think that means in simple, you know, if, if you were going to just kind of put it out there in a simple way. Right. Well, I think it's, it's, it's a great question. And, and I, I'll give you an outline and because I have this conversation literally almost once a week with various leaders in the industry. So, so it's important. The first thing is that no one can do everything across the diversity spectrum. You have to figure out what it is that is your area to be able to create and affect change. And so the outline Reese and basis impact group, and I meant to mention this, but in addition to what I mentioned about basis and our diversity initiatives, we also I also founded um, Basis Impact Group, and it has one mission, and the mission is to increase the pipeline of women and minorities in commercial real estate and change the face of real estate. And so we partner with a number of organizations, including Reese, to back diversity initiatives. And so we have five key strategies. And I think it's it's good to maybe talk about those quickly because that's sort of the essence of this blueprint for a business plan. So the first is the diversity ecosystem. Your business plan should look at not just, you know, early stage pipeline, which I think is super important. And we, Basis Impact Group and Reese launched a high school program by way of example called Real Estate Exchange. And in the last four years, we've exposed over 400 kids that are high school students that are African-American and Latino, 50% are economically disadvantaged children to the real estate industry. And so that's early stage, but you have to look at middle management. You have to look at senior management, which is the C-suite as well as the board. And so I would say your diversity business plan should understand you should have a baseline for every one of those areas. And and instead of in your business plan saying, I'm going to go in and bring in 20% more by way of example, again, what I say to CEOs is make sure that you actually understand how the ethnic minorities in your, uh, your company currently feel. Why are they not being promoted? That's part of your business plan. Why, you know, why are they in areas that are potentially not the transactions areas? Why are they, you know, a lot of times we'll find there's nothing wrong with accounting or HR, but why are they not in, the, in some of the areas where they're actually creating revenue, right? What, what's, and that, that's a problem. So, so analyze that. The second thing is pillar and strategy is again, making sure that you have a written document and it can be one page if that's what you think works as an outline. Or it can be several pages that outline your initiative. So the diversity business plan is point number two. Point number three is to look as part of what's in in your business plan to understand who you're doing business with, supplier diversity. And if you don't know the answer to that, and by the way, guys, many people don't. Do you even, do you know if you do any business with minority-owned firms? Do you have a woman-owned firm that does anything for you? And in real estate, so many ways that you can bring in um, vendors. We have appraisers, we have, you know, accountants, we have, you know, compliance people, property managers, I mean, you name it, lawyers. And if you're not looking at who you can do business with, then that's an area that in your business plan, check, you should, you should write something up about what your strategy is with respect to that. 
Secondly, it's access to capital and credit, which is the biggest challenge facing women and minority-owned businesses in trying to launch entrepreneurial platforms and create wealth. And so, so if you are a capital provider, then obviously, you know, you should know if you have a pipeline of partnerships with women and minority-owned businesses. And by the way, real estate, the one thing that we do well, and, and the fifth one is partnership. Make sure that you're, that if you're, you're a firm figure that has not had great success in changing the face of diversity at your firm, then maybe you just realize that you can't do it alone. And in real estate, the foundation of real estate is all about partnerships and joint ventures. So partner with other organizations that may actually do it better than you. Partner with the trade organizations like Reese. There's a, you know, I'm a, a member of an organization called New America Alliance, which is dedicated to growing the careers and providing opportunities for Latinos and, and Latinx folks in real estate and, ac- and across other industries. There are so many places to reach that we can now realize that in, in, in COVID, I think I've learned a couple of things. It's about partnership and it's about realizing that even Reese, the organization and Basis Impact Group, we're preaching to the choir. We need to have to, to uh, partner with majority firms and I think women trade organizations also need to think about that. We actually need the guys we need. And in real estate, I always say we need the white guys because they uh, control 78% of the jobs and, you know, getting allies to help with moving the needle and changing the, the face of real estate is not going to happen when women are speaking to women, if it's a gender issue or ethnic minorities are speaking to each other. We actually need to come together. And I think that is the, the the biggest change that I think has happened in the you know Black Lives Matter movement and post uh, George Floyd is that there is finally for for some I won't say for all a recognition that there is systemic racism in real estate and many other industries and that it's really not an even playing field and that we're going to have to come together to fix it and to create pathways and so the diversity business plan is a framework and so hopefully you know you you've heard a couple of the the key areas. And you may not be able to do all of them, guys, but start with pulling up your company's website and looking at your board and look at your C-suite. And if you see people that all look the same, well, hello, that is number one on your diversity business plan to figure out how to change. Absolutely. I love the diversity business plan. Thank you for sharing that and and the blueprint for it as well. I would like to turn to where you're investing and the communities where you're investing. Can you walk us through who benefits from your work, whether it's intentionally or even unintentionally? So as I mentioned, we have invested and loaned over 800 million with other minority and women-owned businesses, um, commercial real estate businesses. And so, so what that means is we are backing other entrepreneurs and they are creating jobs. What Basis does is we, we are actually a capital allocator, just so you know, we can break down in, in simple terms for the audience. So we are providing capital to a real estate owner or operator. And that real estate owner or operator you know, is sometimes a woman. Um, well, it's everyone. But in the case where we're focusing on trying to make sure that we have a pipeline that is inclusive, it's sometimes a ethnic minority that is needs to have an opportunity to um, create wealth. And so we're backing them by providing capital. And and one of the things that's a high barrier to entry in real estate is access to capital, as I mentioned. And so we invest and lend, have invested and loaned in 47 states, and we are not afraid to go into communities of color. What we love are deals where a particular owner has a niche strategy where they understand the community, where they understand the needs in the community. I mean, real estate is about supply and demand and it's about location, right? 
And so, so we, because of myself, you know, if I think about, you know, where I grew up in Queens, being able to invest in, in areas where there is communities of color surrounding the, the real estate, we're, we're actually really excited about it. We have to look at financial returns because that makes sense because we're investing capital for institute, you know, large institutions. But we also want, want to make sure that we have niche opportunities. And so we look at investments that where we know that there is job creation and where we are helping to create equity opportunities, which leads to um, reducing the wealth gap in, in backing minority firms. So that's really our focus is, is on ensuring that we can back other owners and operators. And that's part of, you know, part of our business. And just to be clear, you know, basis invests in lens with everyone. But I think that what we're really, what's unique about us is we also focus on trying to get capital into people, the hands of people that look like us. It sounds like you've been asked to mentor fellow founders, especially post-George Floyd. Is mentorship a part of any other aspect of your business, maybe in how you create a company culture or even with the emerging funds that you're investing in as well? We founded through Reese, because again, I'm the chair of that organization, a mentorship program. I guess it's about going into our third year and we are providing mentoring, I should say. I guess right now we probably have more than 50 people that are um, from you know high school, college, through even mid-career professionals of color that we're mentoring as senior executives. And so I'm really excited about that program. In fact, there's an education committee, mentoring committee that that's happening right now to talk about the program that I'm, I decided to do the podcast for. So we are very, Reese is dedicated to the mentorship program. And then me personally, you know, I, I mentor a lot of mainly college women through, you know, initially it was through Cornell universities. I'm on the president's council for Cornell women. And then it's kind of evolved to, you know, people that have reached out to me. Currently I have four mentees, which is down from my eight that I had last year. And I realized that um, making sure that I can be present with them was important. Um, Cause I, one of the other lessons for future entrepreneurs is being able to balance your time. And so right now I'm down to four mentees, but I love seeing my mentees grow. And I recently, there was a young woman who was promoted, a woman of color was promoted to a senior role, who was one of my first mentees. And she mentioned me in her interview. And I, and it just, it just reminds you that the work that you're doing matters and that, you know, back then, which is, this is probably going on 15 years ago that I, I was her mentor and, and, and now she is a leader in the, in the, in, in, in the real estate industry. And I'm just so proud of her. And so, so it's, it's important to give back. It's important to give your time and it's important to, to, you know, when I talk to my mentees, I, I tell them, you know, you have to really take charge of your career and you have to be able to articulate what it is that you want from your mentor. And mentorship is different than sponsorship. Sponsorship is where someone's going to put their career on the line for you. Mentorship is where you can train people to or, or uh, talk to people and help direct them to get the training that they need to find a sponsor one day. And those are very different things. And so I, I hope that I have had a positive impact on the mainly women. I have some, you know, I've had some male men- mentees, but I really try to focus on women and, and, and women of color as well, because I really never saw anyone who looked like me, particularly as a female in the real estate industry. And so it's important that we we continue to build this pipeline. So mentorship is super important. Absolutely. So let's transition to the rapid fire round of questions where we get to know Tammy 
better personally as well. You mentioned a book thus far in the interview, but is there another book that's on your nightstand right now? And what is it? Uh, I, I am literally looking at it and it's called Sacred Pace and it's by Terry Looper. A colleague sent me this book. It is a must read. And I'm just going to leave it there. Sacred Pace by Terry Looper. You've got a lot of energy. Everybody wants to know, what is your go-to beverage in the morning? Coffee, tea, or caffeine-free? Coffee, all the way. <laughs> Not just in the morning? <laughs> yeah, sometimes, sometimes I'll have, you know what, and turmeric ginger tea in the afternoon. It's the thing you should all do. It gives you a nice pep. I like that. <laughs> Name something that is giving you hope right now. The shift after the tragic George Floyd incidents, the shift in the the change that I feel. I'm not sure that's going to happen, but the shift I'll call, I always call it the shift where people are actually recognizing and I don't have to explain systemic racism in real estate. That gives me hope. The first time in my career. What's the most interesting trend you're watching in real estate right now? I mean, there everything's interesting right now, Ed, because we're, we're in the middle of this pandemic, right? So, so I'm um, everything that I've learned, I have to sort of unlearn. For example, if you think about gateway cities, usually, you know, are more resilient. Well, people are leaving and migrating away to, to the South and West because they want less density, right? So that's a trend that's very different. And we're trying to figure out how, how will that, you know, evolve as we get the vaccine. So that's, so we're watching migration, which is really important. Where do people live and how will they work? That's the trend we're watching. Yeah, the question is whether migration is driven by driven by the pandemic or just catalyzed by it and sort of exactly. accelerating a longer term trend, which was more Gonna driven by taxation than. Yeah. Do you have a favorite resource for staying up to date on current events in the real estate industry? It could be a podcast or a website or a newsletter. I read the journal, I read the times and I read Flipboard and, and then Politico as well. And Flipboard has real estate, a real estate section and a lot of what some of those rags that I won't name industry rags are, are captured there. So I, I love an efficient resource like that. How do you unwind after a long day, week, month, maybe even year 2020? Well, I will say in the, in the morning, cause I need to, this will tell you who I am. I work out every day. I'm, I'm a runner. I'm a big Peloton fan. Do a lot of boot camps, running. And then in the evening, you know what? It's different now in COVID, but I've been watching a couple of good shows. Queen's Gambit, I, I binged on. It was awesome. And so I try, you know, to, to watch a show or two, you know, because I've gotten tired of the news. I was glued to the news for many months, but I've been trying to, and I, and I do that with, with, my, um, with my family. I got mad at my wife because she watched The Queen's Gambit without me. Yes, it's so good. You have to do it. (laughs) It's on my list, too. I, Tammy, we should do a Peloton workout virtually together one day. I would love to. I would love to. I am also a devotee. And finally, on the rapid fire, what is one piece of advice you would give to your 20-year-old self? I would say get comfortable being uncomfortable. Opportunity lies at the edge of your discomfort, Tammy. That's great. So one more question before we wrap up. You mentioned opportunities and you you mentioned some trends that you were watching in, in where individuals are moving and how that will affect the real estate industry. Are there any other opportunities that you see coming out of 
2020 and the COVID pandemic that could either influence you personally or even your work and Basis Investment Group? During the pandemic, Basis benefited from the fact that we invest a lot in multifamily in particular workforce housing because there's an affordability crisis in America. And we also invested in what I'll call drug and grocery anchored centers. And when you think about what's happened in COVID, I always talk about the two pillars, which are food and shelter. And so we call that investment thesis right. And I believe that there will be opportunities for transformation or repositioning is probably a better word of maybe some office space that's happening right now into multifamily because we need more housing. And I think that there will be a hybrid office model. I, I don't see any situation or scenario where office goes away, but I do think the way we utilize office will change. And that might mean smaller footprints for um, companies. And so I think that there's going to be opportunity in in office, in, in potentially repositioning some office properties into, into multifamily. I also think that hotels are going to come back. And while they're trading at distressed prices today, that keep your eye on hotels because ultimately they will come back. And so I think getting ahead of the, the opportunity, meaning taking some risk ahead of when the vaccines come, when everybody floods into every one of these particular property types. You know, we also are very bullish on life um, sciences given you know, everything that's going on in the world, last mile industrial because of the transformation of retail that was just accelerated, it was already happening, but it's, it's accelerated by COVID. We are, as I mentioned, drug and grocery anchored centers. We're looking at hotels you know, as, they, as they start to come back. And so I think getting to that opportunity more, more quickly is, is interesting. Data centers because of just technology, is, is, is another place that we're looking at. And so I think, you know, those are probably the main areas that we're focusing on. But I do think that the, the underpinning of all of this is making sure that we have housing for all of these Americans. And in the last, you know, the, the great financial crisis, the supply that was produced was mainly luxury apartments and not too much workforce. And so I think that we're going to need to ensure that there's additional housing. And so that's where, you know, basis has been focused. I was thinking about that too, like all those old factories that they converted to these cool loft apartments. I just, I was thinking like, you know, if, if, if all these office buildings do end up being less occupied, then it would make sense to convert them into housing. But I guess you have maybe a little bit more of a plumbing issue there in terms of getting all that. Yeah. It's going to take routed. money, yeah. right. It's going to take money to convert and you have to look at the analysis, but but it can be done in, in certain places more easily than in others. But I do think that that it's definitely a place where we'll see some transformation. And even look at retail. Retail's being transformed as well. There are there's even you know I saw some apartments that were being you know constructed in a, well, a typical mall structure. People are getting very creative. Schools are the people are using the land where malls are. Right. Think about how prime that real estate is and how it can lend itself to many different uses. And so I think we're going to see a lot of transformation, transitioning, or adaptive reuse of properties because the real estate, the underlying you know, land is so valuable. And again, it will depend on the topic that we talked about before, which is migration. It will depend on where people live and does suburban office or this, this hub and spoke model really take shape where companies decide to have campuses that are in in less dense areas for a moment. And to your point, it will depend on you know how 
people feel about the quality of their life and the quality and how far their income goes in these various jurisdictions. But a, a lot of people are now realizing, and I think it's, it's and many, many companies are seeing that they can be efficient with more remote working. Does that mean that everything uh, goes goes completely remote forever? Absolutely not. Because I think that there's, you know, you, you do have to think about getting together for to create innovative solutions. But, you know, Basis has been actually very productive. I think, you know, we're certainly going to consider a model that was different than the model post uh, pre-COVID. Well, this has been a blast. Thank you guys so much. It's we I've enjoyed talking to you and uh, this has been this has been great. Thank you so much for your passion and your experience and your knowledge that you brought to the conversation today. Well, thank you again. Hope to meet you guys soon um, in, in person one day. I know. It was an inspirational story. I, I think you're inspiring a lot of people out there. Keep it up. Thank you. Take care, guys. Bye, Tammy. Once again, it's clear that a business leader with good intentions can create an impressive social, environmental, and ethical impact. There is always a way to put meaning behind the mission of a company, and we can all make a difference. You've taken the first step by listening to the Beyond Capital podcast. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to rate, review, and if you haven't yet, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. For more information, go to beyondcapitalpodcast.com. You can follow me on Twitter at EA Stevens. And follow me on Instagram at Conscious Investor. Until next time. Bye, everyone.